for joining us this morning on this very cold and snowy morning. Uh, my name is Jessica Crotty, and I am the chair of the Women's Celebration Month Committee. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, on behalf of the committee members, uh, I want to welcome you to our Bring Your Own Beautiful uh, ev panel event today. Every year, the committee sets out to introduce relevant and educational programming that focuses on issues that women deal with daily. Our idea to create the Bring Your Own Beautiful video and panel discussion was inspired by a similar video by uh, the company Dove. This project was quite a big undertaking as it involved several campus departments uh, to make it a reality, and I would like to acknowledge those people. First, we have Sean McIntosh, the fine, uh, technical director of the Fine and Performing Arts Center, and his staff who built our sign that you saw when you walked through here. So thank you very much for building the sign. Uh, we want to thank Student Life for accommodating us over two days of filming in the uh, Student Union. Uh, they let us put the sign in front of their door and uh, film throughout the building, so we want to thank them. And then finally, we want to thank Amanda Sidorowitz and Robert Salud from Multimedia Services for filming the footage, um, going through hours of footage, uh, creating the video, spending weeks putting the video together. Uh, without them, this video would not have been possible. So we're really thankful to them. So, Okay, so in a few minutes, we are going to show you the five-minute video that we made that examines people's self-perception. We asked people, do you consider yourself beautiful or average? Students and staff who walked into the building you doors that face the campus chose to walk under the beautiful side or the average side. You may have walked through the sign today when you got here. Did you make a choice to walk under a specific side? Why did you choose that side and how did it make you feel? Those were the questions that we posed to students and staff after they walked through the door. After viewing the video, we will hear from three faculty members who will discuss body image, beauty standards, eating disorders, self-esteem, and toxicity in co cosmetics. These are all important issues to both men and women. I'd like to give a huge thank you to Tamara Coleman-Hill, Assistant Professor of Communications, Jeffrey McCauley, our Assistant Professor of Sociology, and Dr. Amy Williamson, Professor of Psychology, for serving on our panel this morning. Each of them will have 15 minutes to discuss their topics, and after they are finished with their presentation, we will open the floor up for questions, so please write down any questions that you have um, that, that may have come up throughout the discussion, and then we will answer them at the end. We have a, a microphone that we'll pass around if you have any questions. So without further ado, we would like to show the video. Oh, also, um, the, this um, event is being recorded uh, through the library system, and it will be available on the library's website. For, for future viewing.
For Women's Celebration Month, we created the Bring Your Own Beautiful campaign. For Women's Celebration Month, we created the Bring Your Own Beautiful campaign. We wanted people to choose a door to walk through to get into building you. One side was labeled average and the other was labeled beautiful. And we wanted to see how they viewed themselves and which door they walked through. And we asked them to talk to us afterwards to see why they chose that door or how they felt walking through it. Um, I picked a beautiful door and I picked it because um, I feel like I am a beautiful person inside and out. Uh, my name is Lindsay, and at first I chose to walk through average, but then I chose beautiful about midway, and I like switched lanes. Then I figured, like, I'm pretty great. I'm beautiful. I'll walk through there. My name is Kevin Marrero. I think because since I was with her, I you know I didn't consider myself uh, that I guess beautiful. I don't know. I chose the beautiful door because I feel it, like. I'm beautiful within myself, within my skin, I feel comfortable. I like the word beautiful. Well, there's different meanings. There's like a beautiful personality, a beautiful smile. In general, I think everyone's beautiful in their own little way. I pick beautiful because I just feel say I'm beautiful. Um, I'm a little self-confident, so that too, but I'm also like very generous person, very smart and giving. So I think as a whole, I'm very beautiful. I think everyone should go through the beautiful door. Everyone's beautiful. <laughs> On my worst day, I would go through it like today. <laughs> we did have people walk through each side, but we were surprised by how many thought they were beautiful, and especially how many men were so confident in their beauty. They definitely did not hesitate to tell us how they thought and how they felt walking through that door. My name is Joseph Clayton and I chose the beautiful door because I consider myself attractive. I've got someone that considers me attractive. I've got proof. I just picked the beautiful door from the beautiful because I think no one is average. I think everyone is beautiful in their own way, so I just went for the beautiful. My name is Brandon and I chose to walk through the beautiful door. I chose that door, to be honest, I didn't think I was quote unquote beautiful. But then I realized there's an inside too, and I guess that's what really matters. And I was like, hey, I'm a really good person. I'm a beautiful individual, so I went through it. To be honest, it felt pretty good because self-actualization is like a thing a lot of people don't come to in their life. And lately I've been realizing I'm a really beautiful person on the inside, you know? And once it's inside, it eventually comes out. So. There were some people who walked through the average side, and some of them did not want to be interviewed on camera. And instead, we wrote down their thoughts, and we made note of it in the video. Some of the people did talk about why they went through the average side. Um, an average guy, I guess. Yeah, he said average or beautiful. I was like, oh, average, I guess. Yeah, it's getting by. Uh, my name is Mason, and I went underneath the average door. I mean, kind of normal. I mean, uh, I don't really let labels bother me at all, so I kind of just felt the same way I did when I was walking towards it. 
I picked the average store because I felt like every day I'm trying to better myself. Um, it felt okay because I know that I'm striving to do more, to be better. I think at this place in my life, I would still choose the average store, but I know that once I accomplish all my goals, I would choose the beautiful door. And there was even another guy who walked around the whole door system we had to begin with. I'm Philip. I just walked around. I didn't choose any. So I, I could feel more individual. Oh, that feels great. So I'm like not part of this system enough. Over the course of two days of filming, we had some people say that everyone is beautiful and some say that everyone is just average. But at the end of the day, your opinion of yourself is the most important and you just need to bring your own beautiful. I guess I'm first. Can you hear? Can you hear me all right? Seems kind of low. Still got a hunch over. I don't. We, we did a whole lot of testing beforehand. Clearly. Perfect. All right. Can you? So you can hear me all right? Okay. Good. Uh, so my name is Jeffrey McCulley. Like Troy said, I teach sociology class here at Moraine Valley. And the sort of focus about my part is going to be on uh, the production and consumption of beauty standards. So in other words, uh, how do we buy into the beauty standards with our minds, and then how do we buy into beauty standards with our money, all right? So to get us started, uh, we could think about how beauty standards are socially constructed. Uh, so here we could say that reflections in this mirror may be distorted by socially constructed ideas of beauty. Well, what does that mean? It means that our conception of what's beautiful is a product of culture. If we look around the world, if we look in different time periods, we have different conceptions about sort of what counts as attractive and what counts as unattractive. Uh, we see that beauty standards change across time and across culture. So let's just look at how some beauty standards might change across time. We can start by looking at uh, Psyche, who's a uh, sort of a mascot for a Canadian soda company called White Rock. Uh, here's Psyche in 1893. If we watch how Psyche changes and grows across time, you can see sort of how it shifts along with contemporary beauty standards. So here's Psyche in 1893, uh, 1907, 1924, 1940, 1945, And this corresponds with uh, contemporary conceptions of beauty standards and how they're perpetuated in mass media. So we see beauty standards change across time. We can also see how beauty standards change from one culture to the next. Uh, for instance, we can make a comparison here with Kim Kardashian on the left, who's maybe illustrating some beauty standards in the US. 
And we can compare that with a woman from the Paudang tribe in Myanmar uh, and see that beauty standards are not going to be the same around the world. Uh, one thing that we do see that's pretty consistent with regard to beauty standards around the world, though, is that they're often associated with class. Uh, beauty standards often correspond with an ability to purchase and consume the things that makes, uh, make one beautiful. Uh, so for in this instance, we could see that those gold rings are going to be expensive, right? And if we think about Kim Kardashian's hair and makeup and nails, uh, that's going to be expensive too. Uh, so while our conceptions of what counts as beautiful might vary significantly from culture to culture, uh, we can see this sort of common thread that goes through that's associated with class. And I'll talk about that more here in a couple minutes. <coughs> Uh, so we do see that beauty standards vary from culture to culture. Uh, however, with the proliferation of Western media around the world, we can start to see people in various countries and cultures around the world starting to adopt uh, Western and American beauty standards. For instance, we could look at uh, the small island nation of Fiji uh, near Australia. Prior to 1995, uh, people in Fiji didn't have television. Like there was just there wasn't television there. After 1995, uh, television stations come in, start broadcasting American uh, media and so on, and people start to uh, see what's portrayed as beautiful in Western countries. That Kim Kardashian model, and what we can see is a, a cultural shift that happened in Fiji during that time. Uh, our best anthropological evidence prior to 1995 shows that native Fiji people had uh, a fairly good self-concept about their bodies. Uh, when asked you know, how you feel about your bodies, most people, women and men, uh, seem to have you know, a good self-image uh, prior to 1995. If we just look at 1998, just a few years after the introduction of Western media in this country, uh, we'll find that over one out of 10 women now suffer from bulimia. And we'll find that over 60% of women are uh, dieting and doing other sorts of things in order to become thinner. So just in a short matter of a few years, the exposure to Western media uh, really does play an influence in beauty standards. Uh, so we do see that beauty standards do vary from culture to culture, but as we see this proliferation of Western media around the world, uh, beauty standards start to conform and <laughs> uh, match up with those beauty standards. Okay, uh, so moving on then, uh, beauty standards do vary from culture to culture, so this shows us that they're a product of culture. Uh, in other words, we create the beauty standards. Uh, we make them up. Beauty standards are created by society. So we create an idea of what, our, of what our ideal beauty image is going to look like and perpetuate that idea. In contemporary culture today, we have various computer softwares that allow us to really even take that image even further. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, we have our idea of what the perfect beauty standard is, and if we take a picture of someone, well, it might not be just so perfect, right? So we can uh, use Photoshop, another editing software, to clear out lines in the skin and other sorts of things. Uh, so I imagine that some of you have seen uh, these sort of videos like this, where they start with one uh, a picture of one person and uh, over time morph it to, uh, to become the end product on the right. There are tons of these. I just picked a couple uh, to focus on, but there are, you go onto Google or YouTube and you'll be able to find lots of these. Uh, here we can see it's been re uh, this model's been retouched to be uh, thinner. 
Uh, so what's interesting about this is that the beauty standards are entirely artificial, right? If we're, if we're using computer software to edit how a person looks, then the end result is a person who doesn't actually even exist, right? Uh, if, we're, if we're using Photoshop to manipulate, and other programs to manipulate how a person looks, what we, what we wind up with is something that isn't real. Uh, this means that the beauty standards are impossible to live up to. The ideal that we've created is a fake ideal. It's impossible. No one actually looks like that in real life. But we spend lots of time and money and energy uh, to try to look like that person, uh, uh, possibly in vain, right? Uh, so there, there are tons of these before and after pictures. I'm sure you've seen some of them. Here's another one. Uh, does anyone, has anyone seen this one? Uh, th this is a very popular video. Uh, usually the videos that show the sort of transition start with the beginning picture and then it morphs and models until you get the final picture. Well this video is really interesting because it starts with the final picture and it shows the process in reverse. Has anyone seen this video? <laughs> Thank you. So, so when you do this process in reverse, what does the person, what did the person look like originally? A slice of pizza. This is, <laughs> this is literally a slice of pizza uh, that's been photoshopped to look like this model. This person on the right is not actually even a real person. That person does not exist anywhere. You could go watch the video and you could see how this piece of pizza has been transformed into this person. And yet people see this person and think, what a wonderful uh, beauty standard. I want to look like that, not realizing that it's completely artificial, that there is no real person who actually even looks anything like that. So we spend a whole lot of time consuming the idea of beauty standards, uh, uh, creating the beauty standards, and then, and then downloading them, internalizing them, uh, believing them, and trying to strive for them ourselves. Uh, after we consume the idea of the beauty standard, uh, once we buy it with our minds, then we go through and like to buy it with our wallets. Uh, so there's an entire cosmetic industry that makes so much money every year uh, just selling products to people uh, in order to try to achieve this really impossible beauty standard. And there are so many of these. I'm sure you uh, are already familiar with a lot of these. Uh, for instance, we could look at different products that are focused on weight loss, right? I mean, there's, there's a, this is its own entire industry uh, focused on weight loss pills, weight loss diets, and exercise regimens, and so on. So that's an entire industry there uh, focused on weight. Uh, we also have uh, stuff about age, so we could think about anti-wrinkle cream and gray hairs and all these other sorts of things. How often do we hear in mass media that what is beautiful is what is young, right? Well, what sort of consequence is that going to have for someone who's not young? Uh, I don't think a very good one. Uh, facial cleansers for acne and everything else, uh, really targeting any, any type of body part that exists. We create products for you to make you feel bad about that body part and then try to uh, change it in some way uh, to conform to this, like I said, artificial beauty standard. Uh, an, in an interesting one, or uh, an interesting product that I find uh, fun to explore is one called Belladonna, uh, also called Deadly Nightshade. Uh, as you can see, it's a plant that's part of the tomato family, and this plant has been used to create lots of various different uh, beauty products, one of which was to create eye drops, uh, there was the, an idea that dilated pupils are somehow uh, sexy and attractive. Uh, the idea is that, uh, you know, if you're, you get the fight or flight, if you're alarmed, then your pupils dilate is the idea. So if we could dilate the pupils, then that's going to show someone as being aroused or something like that. Uh, so this product here, or this plant, has been used to create uh, 
drops that women would put in their eyes to dilate their pupils in order to appear aroused. Uh, and this plant also has the consequence of causing blindness, by the way. Uh, so we don't use that product anymore. I know that my colleague uh, tomorrow is going to talk about, uh, in a few minutes, the, some of the consequences of beauty products, so I don't want to steal any of her examples. So, so I'll move on from here. Uh, one thing that's really interesting to think about is how these beauty standards get uh, are impacted differently by different people. Uh, everyone who consumes this mass media gets the idea of thinness as beautiful, whether you agree with it or not. Everyone's exposed to this idea of thinness as beautiful, as whiteness as beautiful, and so on. Uh, when we have the idea of uh, a beautiful that's centered around whiteness and thinness and youth, etc., what happens is that it leaves a lot of people out. People for whom those beauty standards are absolutely impossible to meet. I mean, keep in mind, they are impossible for anyone to meet because they're artificial, but if we start talking about minority people, they become kind of even more impossible to achieve. And we can see how this might uh, factor in if we're thinking about uh, race and class, for instance. So we have so many products that are on the market uh, designed for uh, people who aren't white uh, to conform to this white beauty standard. There are so many products that are designed to relax black women's hair, uh, as though having natural hair is somehow uh, automatically unattractive somehow. So I, I, there's um, so many products to choose from here, I just picked one, all right? Uh, so this is a product that's geared towards African-American women. We also see products that are geared towards Indian women. Uh, here's a product, uh, sorry if this is too much for you, uh, but this is a product that's designed to uh, lighten the skin tone of the color of the vulva and the surrounding skin tissue. So these are images that are taken from a television commercial for this product. Uh, what's it called here? Clean and Dry Intimate Wash, uh, where it's designed to really uh, alter the skin color of the, uh, sorry, of the surrounding area there, all right? Uh, and apparently it also creates flowers everywhere when you buy this product. <laughs> I don't, don't quite understand how that works. Uh, those are just a couple, a few examples, but we could go on forever looking at all the different ways in which women of color are, are targeted and really uh, said to think, you know, how you are is not beautiful. What you need to do is change to conform to this white beauty standard. Uh, we also see a similar sort of issues based off of class. If we're talking about consuming beauty standards uh, through consuming products, then that's only going to be really allowed for people who can afford to do so. All right, all those all these things that I've been talking about, these all cost money, right? Uh, you have to be able to have a certain amount of uh, cash to be able to afford those. If we're talking about uh, rhinoplasty, if we're talking about uh, lip injections, like my picture here, if you're a fan of Sharon Needles, uh, uh, labiaplasty, really all sorts of surgeries that have been designed for specific body parts to make people feel as though their body the way it is uh, isn't perfect, isn't complete, isn't whole the way it is, and that it needs to be changed. The thing is that these beauty standards are impossible. Again, no one can achieve them. And I think that most people would probably like to think at some point that they're attractive, that they're beautiful. I think most people would. Most people would at, at some point like to see someone who looks like them who's portrayed as beautiful. Wouldn't that be nice, right? But, but most of us don't experience that, right? Uh, most people don't see themselves portrayed as beautiful in mass media. And this can only have uh, really negative consequences for body dissatisfaction self-image, and so on. And I know that my colleague Amy Williamson is going to talk about some of those issues, uh, so at this time I'll, I'll pass it over to her. Thank you. Okay, it's working. 
Okay, so this is a great segue, Jeffrey. Um, oh, thank you. For um, what we're going to be doing here. This is actually going to be an activity you guys are going to be involved in. And Jeffrey was mentioning beauty standards and ideals. And so what I want to do um, is just briefly come up with a list of beauty standards. So if we're talking about, let me get this shot up here. Okay, if we're talking about the ideal, right, the ideal man, the ideal woman, if you had to describe what that person would look like, not your personal preferences, but in general, socially, in society, what would that be? So if we start with um, man, okay, we'll start with men. Just kind of tell me some things. What does the ideal man look like? Okay, tall. Okay, so dark and handsome. So, so let's break that down. Handsome means what? Okay, meaning groomed. Okay, muscular, moderately muscular. Okay, okay. What else? Tone. Okay. This is low for me. Tone, butt, okay. What else? <laughs> you can't. What else? Okay, so what do they look like? Oh, facial. So is, is facial hair an ideal or is that personal preference? Is that, is that a thing now? Okay, light stubble. Okay. How else would, should the ideal guy, man, look? Okay, when we say good teeth. Straight, white. What? Abs. What else? Okay, posture. Uh, tall, standing up straight. No, all right, straight. They're not hunched over. Okay. What else? What else? Okay, so what is that? Let's break that down. Okay. Sorry, this is low, so my handwriting is really bad. <laughs> okay, so that would be a more of a personality characteristic, but for like an appearance. So if we're saying, what does the ideal man look like? Okay, so I, I get, I know what you're, I get what you're saying, but like in terms of a physical characteristic. Probably standing up straight, what you're talking about, kind of shoulders back or something like that, right? Anything else you'd add to this list? Okay, good hygiene. <laughs> Clean. Um, no tattoos or piercings. That's probably a personal preference. I don't know. A lot of the advertising now has guys with tat tattoos, right? It's kind of. I think it's personal preference. Anything else that would, we would put to this list? Hair. Um, what? What else? I, brown eyes. Is that okay? More of a preference. Okay. Okay. Smells good. Okay. Anything else? Clear face. Okay. Okay, yep, that's clear facing, yeah. 
Anything else? No disfigurations. Sorry, I know this is like horrible writing to see if you can make sense of this, but um, anything else? This kind of, are we exhausting it? This kind of sums up. Okay, all right, so here is our ideal man. All right, so we're going to put him over here. All right, now we're going to go to our ideal woman. Okay, so what does the ideal woman look like? Thin? Big butt or like round? Okay. What? Long hair? What? Big breasts. Long legs. Small waist. Okay. Short? Blue eyes? Or light eyes? Or blue? Blue. Light. Okay. Thigh gap? Okay. What? Light hair. Okay, good. What else? Luscious lips. Full? Long lashes. Okay. Hairless. Well, except for up here, right? Okay. Body. No body hair. Well, I'm sorry, and I, I'm missing some. What? Uh, I heard a couple more, but I couldn't. Long eyelashes. Long lashes. Good eyebrows. What is? What does good eyebrows mean? Full eyebrows. Hygiene. Meaning clean. All right, so she's washed. Um, <laughs> all right, so good teeth meaning uh, small nose. Okay, small feet. Okay. Small what? Small hands. Okay. Flawless skin. Okay. Anything else? What else? Nails. So groomed. Okay, groomed nails. Looking fit. Fit, okay. No blemishes, so we kind of no scars. Okay. What else? No wrinkles. Okay. What else? Okay. Wearing makeup to not look like you're wearing makeup, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> makeup. Looking like you don't. Okay. What else? Jewelry. What? Posture. 
jewelry, okay? Anything else? Okay, so yeah, let's long hair. What, when you say well groomed, what do you mean? Like, don't look messy, like, look, like, very, like, I don't know. Okay, you, you, what, what? Okay, washed, so the hair's washed, neat. So when you say groomed, what do you mean? Like, no frizz, no? Okay, so what else about the hair? Long, groomed. Straight, okay. But not natural curls. <laughs> okay. No way, I'll hide my hair. Um, so what, okay, so it, we're getting pretty, so what else, is there anything else you'd add to this? Okay, this is pretty, we could go on, right? We could actually break down some of these other things. We could break down, you know, hair and eyes, and okay, you've got to have long eyelashes, but you've also got to have this shape of eye, and da 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 da, right? And so, if we compare these two, do you notice any difference between the lists? Women have a lot more standards, more detail, right? More what? Okay, what, what do you mean? When oh, okay, good. Yeah, that, that's kind of to make us appear small, right? Who? Oh, submissive. I'm sorry. Yeah, sub, she was saying submissive. What else? Oh, okay, so the, the images that we were seeing from Jeffrey's presentation about the women getting smaller and, and appearing lighter and so on and so forth. Okay, good. So <clears throat> when we start to look at the comparison here, there's more minutia, more detail, more expectations that women have. Therefore, there's more products to be sold and try to get us to kind of address these things. So if you have a problem with anything on this list, either one, there's a product that you can buy that will help with it, right? And that's how we end up, um, unfortunately, with a lot of issues. So when we look at these ideals, um, what we begin to see, and I'm talking a little bit about body image here, is that women and men uh, feel a lot, there's a lot of differences in the way men and women feel about their bodies. And for women, it starts very, very early. So as you can see here, um, by six to eight, 50 percent, of girls want to be thinner. It's like first grade, right? There's a little, little girls. Um, boys, we don't see that, right? They want to be strong. But there's not the same level of fear about not being thin and, and things like that that we see in girls. And then as girls get older, we see it even increasing more that 80% of 11-year-old girls want to be thin. And so when we talk about what does it mean to be beautiful, we've got all these images of women that we're presented with, and then we look at this list, and we see that um, we can never be all of this, right? And it's discouraging, and then we have women that have, that have body image issues as a result of it. So when we say, what does it mean to be beautiful? A lot of it has to do with external appearances. Although people talked about they walked through the door um, for reasons of you know, internal beauty, um, most of the time, that's not how we talk about beauty. We talk about it, oh, she's beautiful or he's beautiful. Usually we're talking about the external appearance, right? Okay. Oop. 
Okay, so then what we have um, come up is a lot of body dissatisfaction. I think the statistic is well over 50% of women have um, issues around food. Um, that even if you don't have an eating disorder, you have a disordered relationship with food. Meaning if you're stressed out or you're not feeling you know, your greatest, uh, you use food, right? I mean, what do you turn to if you're stressed out to eat? Chocolate, ice cream, junk food, carbs, right? And carbs have a particular action on our body that does soothe us, right? We, you know, there's some serotonin release and things like that. So we do see that food can comfort us. So the, the irony is when you feel bad about all this stuff, so you're not thin, what do people do? Turn to food and that actually makes, makes the problem worse, yeah. So what we know about um, body image is that a distorted body image is a precursor to eating disorders. And there's a huge proportion of people uh, in this country that have eating disorders. Um, it's about 10 to 1 ratio of women to men. Men do have eating disorders, but it's many, many more um, women that have them. And women are the bulk of the dieters. How many of you have ever been on a diet? Okay, you're on one now? Okay, yeah. Um, or how many of you at least know somebody who's been on a diet, if you haven't been on one yourself? Yeah, okay, pretty much everybody, right? I mean, it's part of our culture. After the new year, you go on a diet, you're a diet, what's your diet, what are you eating, and we're all you know, exchanging diet tips and things like that. Part of what happens in, in the culture of women is that we bond over these things. Oh, what did you eat? Oh, I was so bad yesterday. I had some fries. And it's like, okay. Oh, no, you're not bad. You're okay. You know, and we go through this ritual with each other. And what we, we end up doing as well is using the word fat to represent a feeling. So how many of you have ever said, I feel fat? Okay. So what does that mean? So if you say you feel fat, does feeling fat mean I, I am feeling like I have an abundance of excess skin on my body right now? No. Or, or, or is feeling fat something? So one of the things that um, I think it's important to recognize is that we're doing a disservice as women when we start saying that a lot because feeling fat is not really a feeling. Fat is not a feeling. Usually when we're feeling fat, what are we feeling? Sad depressed, angry, insecure, anxious. Yes, we're having all of those feelings that we really don't want to have, we want to avoid. So feeling fat is really about being numb. It's really like, I don't want to feel. I'm feeling fat. Right? That's a way to just kind of brush it over. So one of the things that we can do as women, or as men, anybody who, who's hearing this, is to really say, so what are you really feeling? You know, let's really talk about it. What are you really feeling? I'm from psychology, so I want to talk about feelings all the time. So I know people aren't always comfortable with that, but, um, but it really can be helpful because we can uncover what somebody is really feeling and maybe gain a closer connection to them for pushing past that, oh, you feel fat, oh yeah, I felt fat yesterday, it was so horrible and whatever. And then you go on without actually connecting with somebody. Um, so we really have to redefine what normal is because normal is not what we're seeing in these images. Normal is this, okay? The average woman is 140 pounds, 
five foot four. Okay. Size 10 and up. Not size two, size zero, size double zero, size whatever, if there's something under double zero, I don't know. Um, but there's definitely this, this thing that we think we're supposed to be tiny, tiny, small, thin. And that's not who we are. This is average. So what's normal is this. It's not what we're being fed all the time. So these are just some statistics about eating disorders and kind of how these things all tie together and kids afraid of being fed and how much we're spending on eating disorders. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. Thanks. Unless you guys have questions. Yeah. Go. I'm going to pass it on to Tamara. She's going to talk about the cosmetic industry. Yes. So I just want to say I'm glad I'm going last because they gave me a whole bunch of notes, which all lead up to what I'm going to talk about. Um, I am feeling fat this morning, and that is because I am one of those larger women with large shoulders. There was a woman in New York a couple years ago. I was in the shopping district of New York looking for a coat, and there were these two Jewish women. I was trying on coats, and I couldn't fit any of the coats that they have. And the woman said, she's got football shoulders. So I've got these wide shoulders, right? So I'm not your typical size woman, so I'm feeling a little fat in this jacket because my shoulders are wide. Um, I also want to say I went through the average door. I went through the average door because I grew up in L.A. with Kim Kardashian, and I had to compete with her, right? So that's obviously an ideal that I was never going to meet. Um, so I'm going to talk about... Um, the cosmetics industry. Unlike my two colleagues, I have no expertise in cosmetics or chemistry or science. I actually teach English here. Um, but my entry into this whole subject of cosmetics has to do with work that I had, have done as an advocate for women's reproductive rights some years ago. Um, I was working with an organization called Black Women for Reproductive Justice. And we were actually working on a campaign called the Healthy Vagina Campaign. Yes, I said the V word. Um, we were working on a campaign to raise awareness, particularly in the black community, about um, feminine hygiene products. And in that, in doing our research and our studying, we found that um, feminine hygiene products are actually very bad for you. Unlike what you think you're doing, cleansing um, um, the vagina, you're actually um, doing something that's, that's very wrong, uh, essentially. While we were doing that, we actually um, learned a lot about these particular products. And one of the things that we learned is that feminine hygiene products are, in fact, cosmetics. Just like your makeup, your lotion, your shampoos, your shaving creams, all of that stuff, according to the FDA, feminine hygiene products, a product that is actually going inside your body, is considered a cosmetic. So for us, that sort of heightened our awareness, and we connected with we connected with a woman named Stacy Malkin who, thank you, who wrote this book called um, Not Just a Pretty Face, The Ugly Side of the um, Cosmetics Industry. She was working with the Environmental Working Group, which is a, a fairly large advocacy organization that works on all kinds of environmental issues from water to food to cosmetics products. So we sort of linked up in our efforts and we started doing some talks in the Chicago area um, with Stacy Malkin. She was actually here back in 2009 talking about her book and also talking about cosmetics. So that's kind of my entry into thinking about cosmetics. It sort of heightened my awareness about um, what was actually happening, the products I was buying, and the fact that 
there really is no one out there watching out for what's going into these products that we're buying because we feel fat or we feel bad about ourselves or society is telling us we need to look this way or that way. So what do we do? We rush to the grocery store, we, we rush to CVS or Target or wherever we go to find products to make us feel better. Um, I, I want to go through just a few slides today to kind of talk about some of those products and to give you some resources so that um, you are aware of what you're buying and then thinking a little bit more about um, um, really the damage, right? The, the, the damage to society, the damage to your own psychology, but ultimately the physical damage to your body that you could be doing um, by using many of these products that we, we purchase. So what are cosmetics? The definition that's on the board is actually the definition that, that, um, is deve that was developed and supported by the FDA. This is what they consider cosmetics. So anything that you're rubbing on your body, pouring on your body, sprinkling on your body, writing on your body, any of those products, according to the FDA, is considered a, a cosmetic. If you're trying to um, alter some sort of physical appearance. Not, not surgical, but a, a product that can do that, right? So a skin whitening cream could even, you guys are both talking about skin whitening creams, could be considered cosmetics. Um, deodorants, toothpaste, all of those things fall into the category. So these are products that are for both men and women. It's not just about makeup. Oftentimes when we say cosmetics, we think about women and we think about makeup, but this is everything. Um, so what's important about this, this sort of list of things? Well. All of those cosmetics, from makeup that you put on your face to deodorant that you wear to toothpaste, um, there are th things in these products that if you flip your product over, you could probably see them, but you have no idea what they are, right? There are a thousand things on there that none of us can really um, pronounce. We have no idea what they are. We're not um, uh, scientists. We're not chemists, so we don't know. So there's a list of products that the Environmental Working Group, they call them the Dirty Dozen, they list as the worst and most harmful um, products that you might find. So if you see any of these things on the back of anything that you purchase that's considered a cosmetic, you should be a little bit leery about that. Um, most of these things, the, the kinds of effects that they actually have on your body are, are things like um, endocrine disruptors. And that just means that any system within your body that impacts hormones, it could disrupt that. Um, there are reproductive um, health ramifications from some of these products, and, and in particular, the feminine hygiene products that we were working on in our organization, like douching products or the Summer's Eve, all that stuff that uh, many of you ladies may know about, all of those things are really harmful. Um, things like tr uh, triclosan, that's actually a product that's in most, most of your um, toothpaste. Um, w the one that I often buy is the Tom's, they don't have it in there, but most of your um, mainstream brands like Crest or Colgate or something like that has the, the triclosan in it. So you just want to be aware. The, the fragrance or the parfum, um, part of the problem with fragrance is that they don't tell you what it is. So oftentimes um, many of these companies will couch all of their chemicals into the name fragrance because they don't have to list out what they actually are. But if it says fragrance, it's likely something um, that's harmful in the product. So I try to stay away from anything that has a fragrance in it at all, um, which for some people is problematic because we're sort of taught to believe that somehow you're supposed to smell a certain way, like flowers, like roses. Um, part of what we kind of joked about when we were doing our campaign on feminine hygiene products is that um, are we really supposed to smell like roses? I mean, is that a natural thing? And so we went through this whole psychological 
um, discussion in our organization and really trying to educate women to, to understand the idea that our bodies have natural smells and that's okay. We don't have to smell like a product that someone is selling to us. And I, I think it really kind of opened the eyes of, of many women who kind of walked around with this false belief that somehow they were supposed to smell like something else. Um, but it's the same thing on other parts of our bodies as well. We think that we should have deodorants or, or um, shampoos for our hair um, that have a particular smell in them. So what's the big deal? Why do we care? Why did I care? Why did we start working on this stuff? Well, the big problem for us is that um, the cosmetic industry is a non-regulated industry. So the FDA defines cosmetics, but they don't regulate cosmetics. So any one of us can go in our garage, come up with the product, and put it on the shelf. And no one's saying, has this been tested for safety? No one's saying, has it been tested for effectiveness like any other pharmaceutical or drug that you might use? There is no one who um, watches over this industry. So the FDA would argue that somehow these companies are responsible companies and they're sort of watching over themselves and they're sort of self kind of checking, but it's not happening. Um, so for us, it was really disconcerting to know that as consumers, we sort of walk into these um, grocery stores and we just assume if a product is on the shelf that somehow it's supposed to be safe. Um, so a lot of the advocacy that's being done in this area is really getting the FDA to one, regulate it, and two, um, remove ingredients and products that are harmful. Um, the European Union, Canada, and other countries have been really good about um, uh, forcing um, corporations to not um, you know, use some of these chemicals in their products. Companies like OPI, you may be familiar with the nail polish because it's the most um, popular nail polish line um, that's out there. And if you go to any nail salon, most of them have the OPI product. Well, in their traditional um, formulation, there's form, uh, formaldehyde in the um, nail polish itself, which is a known carcinogen. We don't have any re regulation here. The European Union does. So OPI changed their formula for Europe. So what they sell to Europe is very different because Europeans actually force these companies to do that, but what they sell to us still has some of the chemicals in it. So part of it, I think, is really about advocacy and about people in the country saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate this and really making a difference in that way. Um, but I, as I'm talking about this now, I haven't talked about this in a long time, I'm like getting upset because I'm like, I don't get it. Like, why aren't we saying something about what's in our products? If you've been paying attention to the news, you know that Johnson & Johnson was just sued um, for some billions of dollars because of women um, having ovarian cancer for using the Johnson & Johnson baby powder. Um, I had read many years ago, um, before I had my kids, luckily, so I never used any Johnson & Johnson products, that in the actual talcum powder, any type of talcum powder, in order to make that product, you have to use heavy metals to make it like, like fluffy and flaky or whatever it is. It requires the use of heavy metals. So if we're rubbing that on our babies or if we're inhaling that in our noses, and for some women, they actually use in their in different parts of their bodies and their underwear, that's going into your your body and it can lead to things like ovarian cancer. Um, Johnson & Johnson is now um, getting to the point where they are going to admit that this product is a problem. I don't think it's pulled off the shelves, but I do think it's an important issue to think about. But Johnson & Johnson, according to the um, Environmental Working Group, is one of the worst um, companies of all the cosmetics companies. And the sad thing is that their products are made for babies. The whole No More Tears campaign with the shampoo, the chemical that's actually in those shampoos ironically cause eye problems. 
no more tears, right? Um, so there's a lot out there that we don't really know about that's in our cosmetics that we're using in an effort to make ourselves um, beautiful. Just checking on my time back there. Um, there are really only two laws um, pertaining to cosmetics, but none of them have to do with ingredients. They have to do with improper labeling or um, packaging and shipping, which for most of us we don't really care about. Um, so there are no laws that regulate um, any type of chemicals that have known carcinogens or any known health effects at all. So those are some things that we should be working towards. So what can you do? Um, for me, as a person who believes that you should always use your voice, um, of course you should speak out, but before you can speak out, you have to know what's going on. I would strongly <coughs> suggest you actually look on the back of uh, your products. Um, you can actually go to, and I'll give you the website, to the um, Safe Cosmetics uh, Campaign's website and get some information about companies that actually do make makeup, lotions, hair products, soaps, toothpaste, things like that, that aren't harmful to your health. Sometimes that costs a little bit more, but you have to sort of weigh, you know, um, what's more important to you. Is it getting a cheap product that's harmful to your health or paying a little bit more for something that is um, going to work for you? But read, 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 read. Read articles. Look things up. Don't be a passive, you know, sort of citizen. Kind of move through the world as an informed person and advocate for things, right? If you see that there's something going on, write your legislator. T you know, talk to people that you know have some connections with um, folks who can actually make change in some of these areas. I always um, urge people to be their own advocates. We can't expect our government to watch out for us, clearly. Um, and connect with advocacy organizations. If this is an interest for you, I would say, again, go to um, the website and look at what other um, organizations are doing on this issue. Um, connect with them. Find out what you can do and how you can get involved. And of course, support policies and legislations that are on these issues and forces um, this industry to clean up their act. The um, safecosmetics.org website um, is actually um, a really good website. It has changed since the last time I looked at it. I took a look at it this morning, and they've done a lot of really neat things. But you can go on there, and they'll actually, um, you can put in a pr particular product that you use, and the um, list of harmful ingredients will come up, and it'll tell you exactly what those ingredients cause, what parts of the body they may affect, and those types of things, so, so that you can have a better sense of what you're actually using. The um, Environmental Working Group, EWG.org, is also a great website, not just for cosmetics, but it's also a good site for anything related to water issues, safe drinking water, related to food, all of those things that would be of concern. And then, of course, the FDA website. Um, the FDA does have a purpose. Um, they, they, they don't go far enough as far as many of us are concerned, but they do have a purpose, and you can get updates on different things related to food, drugs, and also cosmetics um, on their website if, if um, anything is happening. And, I, and I'm guessing with the Johnson & Johnson lawsuit, there's going to be a lot of talk about that, and the FDA is going to have to come in and, and deal with that. Um, all right. That is it for me. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Does anybody have any questions for any of our panelists? <laughs> oh, I'm coming over with the microwave. Oh, did I just say microwave? I'm not bringing a microwave, okay? I will be bringing a microphone. So for with Jeffrey and uh, Amy, when other cultures are coming to America, you know, such as people that have, you know, the gold rings uh, around their neck and stuff, how is it hard? How much harder is it for them to transition beauty-wise into the melting pot that we are? 
I would imagine that it would be very hard. Uh, if we're constantly being bombarded with messages about what is beautiful and those are impossible to achieve, then I would imagine that would, I can only imagine that that would be just uh, incredibly heartbreaking, uh, have a self, to have a negative consequence on your self-esteem and so on. I imagine it would be very hard to uh, move to a different culture or just even exist in your own culture if you're constantly being bombarded with these messages. I'm not sure if you have anything to. No, no, I agree. I agree. Somebody over here had a question. Um, just going along with what you said, um, I actually have an app that's called Think Dirty, and um, you actually scan a barcode on whatever product you see, and it'll kind of tell you the toxic levels that it has. And it's been very helpful, and it's obviously really attainable for us to have that. Mm -hmm. Great. Think Dirty. <laughs> Great. Think Dirty? Okay. I think it's on, yeah. Related to that, there's uh, there's all sorts of apps. Uh, you could also look at a, a Bicot app that uh, kind of shows what products, uh, what companies own what products and sort of what they support politically and whatnot. So uh, to be an informed consumer, there's, yeah, you're totally right, like tons of apps that can help you do that. Other questions? Oh, you have one right here. As a mother of two little girls, I was shocked to see the statistics on um, body image and perception and wanting to be thin starting as young, you know, the six to eight-year-olds, 50% of them, I think, was the stat. Mm -hmm. um, so that was pretty alarming and starting to think about what kinds of conversations are we having in front of our young girls so that they're not misinterpreting those conversations, so being mindful of what we're saying about ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for that. That was really helpful. And I'm not sure, um, Tammy, about uh, Lush products. Do you have any information about Lush? I mean, they seem to advertise that their products are all natural, and, and I'm not sure. Thank yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't, I've heard of Lush, and I've heard that they're more natural. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't say this, but it, uh, the more you read about it, the more you learn is that these terms, natural, organic, they don't have any meaning at all. They don't have any meaning in cosmetics. They don't have any meaning in food. So anybody can say natural. So you really have to flip it over and see what's in the product. Ignore all of the things that look like the rainforest, you know, <laughs> on your um, shampoos. That's just a marketing ploy. So you really have to look into it. Um, there are, I had started actually getting, um, and this is, I don't get it, make any money or get kickbacks from Whole Foods, but I had started getting um, makeup from Whole Foods. It's a little bit more expensive, but I like the line that's there. But there are actually a lot of lines that are out there now that don't have um, the parabens. That's the, the biggest thing, and those are um, preservatives or the um, sodium laureth sulfate is actually what it's called. That's in a lot of products as well. Other questions? No? Okay, well, can we thank our panelists one more time for... Um, and I want to thank you guys again for coming out.